magic of the sunstone, you're tuned into the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Jewel Riders Archive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Canther, and here today with me I have two fabulous authors from Snowy Wings Publishing, Lissa Kiavari and her sister Jane Watson. Welcome to the show. Yay, thank Thanks you for, for having us. us. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, see, this is the twin sting. Sister moment, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so... I first kind of want to start by telling people a little bit of a funny story. So I first, so I don't know if you both know Lisa Dawn. She's like another fantasy author and she publishes the princess blog. Yeah. Right. Lisa and I were friends in high school. So she's actually like the first person I met through the Jewel Writers fandom. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. Like she used to run the live journal group. And after she left, I briefly ran it. And while I ran it, I did a read-along of the Avalon Web of Magic series. And I believe, Lissa, you were one of the people who read along. And when I sent out prizes at the end, I was like, oh my gosh, Stockton, California, the place (laughs) where Ronnie grew up and is a stone's throw from where I grew up in Lodi, California. And I was just like, "Are are you kidding me? There were Jewel Riders fans here all along. <laughs> I didn't realize that Ronnie was from Stockton. Yes. Yeah, he grew up in Stockton. Wow. So, like, there were four of us there. There could have been a four-people tiny Jewel Riders club <laughs> in the Central Valley of California, which I was just like, oh, my gosh. And then I think by the time, like, I finally figured it out, like, I had moved away and you guys were moving away. And it was just like, wah, wah. <laughs> so alas so that always that always kind of made me interested I'm like oh it's the other you know Stocktonian people and I always kind of was interested in following up with you guys so I wanted to actually like ask you a little bit like what was it like growing up as Jewel Riders fans as kids so I was pretty young when it came out but I remember that um it aired really early in the morning on this one network and our mom would tape it for us and she she like watching yeah, it with us. I think too. that she's the one who found yeah, it. Yeah, like, I, I think Oh, she, that's super cute. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like I think she might have seen it in the TV guide or yeah, something. Yeah, it was really sweet. When we were growing up, um, she would pay attention to the TV guide and then like other like commercials and stuff on TV. And if the show looked like it would be something we would like and it would be like on while we were in school or on like at four in the morning or something, she would just set the VCR and she'd tape it for us. And so I think that's how we first yeah. found Jewel Riders. I think she yeah, found it and started like, taping it for us. I'm 99% sure that she was like, check out this show I found for you guys. And we were just like, yeah. <laughs> Mind's blown completely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it had like everything because we liked My Little Pony and it had the horses. Yeah. And it had um, like the really great characters and magic, magic and um, the cute talking animals and the animation was really pretty. Um, yeah, I just remember like always she'd set the timer and we'd, you know, get up as soon as we could in the morning that wasn't 4 a.m. and put the tape on and watch. 
And like one of my really strongest memories is when the season two premiere happened and the credits changed. Yeah. And we put it on and we were just like, holy. Because the, the first season credits were really, really pretty, but they would always have, you know, like kind of clips from those episodes. Right. And so they didn't have just like new animation and like the real cool transformation. I love that noise. The noise noise it makes on the credits for the second season when they start to transform. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah. It's like a whooshing sparkle noise. Oh my gosh. It gave me goosebumps when I was little and it still does. Like we rewound the tape so many times. Watch it over and over. And Tamara was my favorite when I was little. And I remember when we were watching season one, I loved her babies, but I was like, well, why doesn't she have a unicorn? And then when we saw the season two credits, we, Lisa was like, <laughs> yeah, and I was so excited. Yeah, I know Ronnie is that his favorite character is Tamara, and he has always mentioned that that's the first time he saw the season two premiere and he saw Shadow Song there. It was like, <gasps> yeah. like oh my gosh, Zebra Unicorn. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Fallon was my favorite character because I always liked the kick butt girl characters and. Like she does all those backflips on the yeah. season two credits. Yeah, she's like a Cirque du Soleil performer. <laughs> <laughs> so, what drew you to those characters, each of your favorites as children? So, when I was little, um, I've always really loved animals. And um, until I was a teenager, I really wanted to be a, a veterinarian when I grew up. And so I really liked characters that had animals and that worked with animals. And so I think that's why I like Tamara so much. And then when I was little, also my favorite color was pink. So I think that her pink hair and her yes. pink helped. <laughs> but um, I liked all of the characters in Jewel Riders. But I think that that's why I liked Tamara so much, just because she had all of the um, cute babies and then she was the one who found kit the prism fox and then when they showed the episode where they went to her parents farm and then all the all the extra cute animals came in i was just like i just love camera (laughs) a farm that just has elephants and giraffes (laughs) (laughs) how about you Lisa? um yeah fallon like i said i always really liked the quote-unquote kick butt girls in the shows when i was little and Fallon was the kick butt girl and uh, and she was tough and she was cool. And uh, you know, what? when I was, I rewatched the series in October and then I was like, actually though, I like Tamara best. now. (laughs) You're joining the ranks of the Tamara (laughs) fanatics. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. Ronnie will be very pleased. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely love those Fallon episodes from the first season, um, mm. Badlands specifically, but also Veil vale of the Unicorns. That always, those were always like really strongly written episodes for her, which I appreciated a lot. Yeah, um, I liked. Is Veil vale of the Unicorns the one where uh, Moon Dance's mom, like, or is that from the second season? Yeah, that's from the second season. Um, yeah. I we we didn't see like. 90% of the second season because they kept moving the time around. And so mm-hmm. mom would set the timer for the VCR and then it would just not have taped it. It would tape like sky dancers instead. And I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so and, not sky dancers um, fans. It's like, we, I liked the toys. So I was really excited to see the show. And then I 
I don't know if I'm giving it a fair, a fair judgment now, because maybe if I went back and rewatched it, I'd like it. Okay. But I, the few clips I caught of it when I was little, I was like, I do not like this. Well, you know why? Like the toys were very pastel colors yeah. and then the cartoon was like more earth tones. <laughs> that sounds like a really bad reason to not like a cartoon, but, but like for me, that was little, you know. we saw a few episodes beyond, like, I think we only saw three. We, so I remember we had on tape, um, the season two premiere, we had the one where they become mermaids, but not all of it. The first like five minutes. That's right. Yeah. We were missing the first five minutes of that. We had like the first one with, um, Ian is her new love interest, right? Yeah. The Prince of the Forest. Yeah. Yeah. We had that one. And then I think we had the one where it was like Island of the Wizards or something. I don't remember that episode very clearly. I don't think, I think that what happened was Lisa sent us. um, Well, no, I know that, but um, I don't um, think we had the Island of the Wizards. No, we we, we did. did. It, It was like. Not that it, it was not one that we rewatched a lot, though. We had that one, and that was like, is it, that it, the one with the tower that keeps like changing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we had that one on tape. I don't remember it at all. I watched it in October, and I was like, "This is a really cool episode." I've never seen this before. <laughs> yeah. The one with the time travel portal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we we did have that one on tape. Okay. I just don't remember it. Yeah, but we. But but so the point of this long-winded story was that I had never seen that one with Moondance's mom before. Yeah. Okay. And I just like loved when I watched in October. I saw all these episodes I'd never seen before. And I just like loved that episode because it was about like the animals have personalities in Jewel Writers. Mm-hmm. It's not just the girls who have personalities and backstories and lives yeah. and all that. Like we got um, sun stars in the first episode, yeah. but then we also get it for Moon Dance. We get it for Shadow Song, and that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, it's cute. Did we it's find out that in that episode that Cleo and Moon Dance are cousins? I think I believe so. It's yeah. just like a random little thing just dropped in there. And I thought that was really cute. It's like, was that always the case or did that just come about now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was so funny since we didn't have the majority of season two on tape and we'd never seen it. We were under the impression for the longest time that the series didn't wrap up. We thought that Merlin never came back and that they didn't find all the duels and defeat Morgana and all of that. And then, then when um, Lisa sent us some episodes, that's when I was like, oh, it actually does wrap up. That's nice, at least. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it makes sense because since we lived in the same area, we, I mean, like Ronnie and I never saw the ending. Yeah. Either. So we got it actually from Stormy. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Stormy. And yeah, her yeah. I never website. actually talked to Stormy, but like she was like the fandom legend name that I always heard, but yeah. never yeah. talked to her. <laughs> so, yeah, she, she was the one we sent her, you know, we put cash in an envelope and <laughs> mailed it to this, you know, random person in Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> Who I'm like, I hope she sends us these cartoons. We're like 12. (laughs) And, you know, bless her soul. She did. Like, she's like a lovely person. (laughs) And we were just sending money through the mail. (laughs) I love that. But it was, I remember it was very exciting to see the final episodes. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's an ending? What? Yeah. Because so many cartoons from that era don't, don't end. Have, yeah. No. 
I, I really love um, Galter and the Golden Lance from the 80s. And that, I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but that one's got a really nice plot, but it never gets an ending. And I don't think the Pirates, Pirates of, of Dark, Dark Water. Water gets oh, an that's ending. like one of my most beloved shows is Pirates of Dark Water. Yeah, like Galtar was kind of like predecessor of Pirates of Dark Water. Yeah, because- like they were both made by Hanna-Barbera and they were both like, action shows that had like a plot yeah and, and then tormac, tormac voices blarth i think is the, the, the bad pirate the villain in oh, uh bloth right yeah Blarth, yeah Blarth, oh gosh I can't, like it's been a minute since i watched it <laughs> yeah, but... he also voices the villain in, in galtar so okay remember, yeah always... galtar's been on my list for a while of things i need to check out so it's so good i finally <laughs> watched um Thundar the Barbarian. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Ariel, too. I was going to yeah. say, Tula was voiced by Ariel in Pirates of Dark Water. But yeah. Yes, yeah. That is another Ariel connection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like Jody Benson voices Tula. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, I think Pirates of Dark Water set off my like long standing love of characters with dark skin and light hair. <laughs> 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 like um, my in my books the main girl's based on Kida from Atlantis you know once you told me because I've been reading through your first book this week oh have you Mm -hmm. and I've I've been enjoying it quite a bit but it's like once you told me like yeah look for some Atlantis things and I was like I can see it now (laughs) I can see it it's there it's there (laughs) It it was very fun because I, I love incorporating things that I liked, you know, once upon a time into the work that I do now. So, like, the story I wrote for Brave New Girls is a story that is basically, like, once upon a time I was going to write, like, a Jewel Rider cyberpunk story. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, like, you know, this is really not even Jewel Riders anymore. Like, it's basically just an original thing. But if you know what to look for, there's still little pieces of jewel riders there. Yeah. So I mean, there's pieces of Galtar in Fourth World too. Is like, there really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like if, if whenever you get a chance to watch Galtar, <laughs> then you'll see what I'll I'm see the pieces. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, what were some of the other shows you enjoyed watching? So I, I hear not Sky Dancers. <laughs> <laughs> We, we should probably watch it again as adults and we'll yeah. probably be like this is really good what was our problem yeah, but it was like, I, mean, I, was like, really I loved Sky Dancers personally but I also like it's like uh, twin show dragonflies a lot oh which, yeah which is like the most unre- the most two unremembered shows of all time I feel like but did you watch so, Tenko yeah see that was the other thing I'd never even heard of that before you guys started posting about it oh really They've been posting on the Jewel Riders social media. It's just like another cartoon that was on at the same time, like Princess Tinko and Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a it's a fantasy basically based on this real life Japanese magician. (laughs) Except she has uh like real magic in the cartoon. And it's it's a strange little 13 episode show, but it's really fun. And I think if you liked Jewel Riders, you should watch a couple of episodes. Yeah. It's so funny um, since we both have have enjoyed and, and watched um, 
a lot of 80s and 90s cartoons, there's this one bar downtown that like is like an arcade bar, but on one of their TVs, they, it must have been a YouTube video of all of these openers from 80s and 90s cartoons. And it was literally everything. Oh, that's and so amazing. I'm facing it. My friend's on the opposite side with her back to it. And she has not seen nearly as many cartoons as I have. So I'm going, oh my God, it's Galtar. It's the Pirates of Dark Water. It's He-Man. It's She-Ra. And then they had really obscure ones like uh, Fantastic Max, Goldie Golden Action Jack. And then there was one that I... I I swear I had made it up because I was like, well, it was like Captain Planet where they had rings, but then they like transformed into like animal, like anthropomorphic dinosaur creatures. Apparently it's a show called Dino Saucers. Oh my gosh. I loved that as a child. I loved that when I was little and I could not, I would Google it and I couldn't find any results. And so I started mixing up that one where like the teenage boys turn into like shark creatures. I don't know if that's street sharks. Street or sharks. Yeah. I was merging street sharks and captain planet and then like dink the little dinosaur. And I was like, that must, that show must not exist. I must've made it up. And then I'm like freaking out in the bar and my friend's like, are you okay there? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I think that's so funny because so many people, we, it means like our ongoing joke that people think they dreamt up jewel riders. Oh Yeah. And it's like, even yesterday, I was sitting at the zine fest, the local like zine show, and Mm -hmm. people were like, I had a few people definitely come up with me to me and be like, oh my God, I think I remember this. And it was like, did I just unlock memory for you? Like, (laughs) but it was like, it was really cute. Like I had, there was one girl who came up who was just like, over the moon she's like princess guinevere oh my gosh (laughs) i didn't think i would ever see this again (laughs) adorable like that's so cute it was cute yeah okay so lots of 80s and 90s cartoons disney fans at all oh yeah yeah that's actually what i was gonna say is uh apart from all the cartoons that she listed is we really like the tv show spinoffs of the movies so like the little mermaid tv show and mm-hmm. the aladdin tv show and the hercules tv show and yes and those like, are some some of my favorites too and then we also like you know like ducktales and oh Chicken yeah Dale disney afternoon oh yeah bears yeah the disney afternoon ones and then um oh crap my brain shut off what was i gonna say Disney afternoon. Oh, oh, My Little Pony. Yeah, like we really liked My Little Pony, and I love Gem and the Holograms, and that was another thing. Yes, so cute. My mom started taping it for us because she was at like a Goodwill sale that was like specifically for dolls, and she was looking. How do I get to one of those? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) It was amazing. It was like in the. It must have been in the early nineties. Yeah, I was little, little. Yeah, and um she starts looking at the Barbies and then she sees the dolls for Jim, the holograms. And she was kind of like, hi, I wonder what these are. And then this girl starts telling her about them. And she's like, Oh, it's a cartoon. It's on USA. Um, How old are your daughters? They might like it. This is um, the character. Her name's Jim. And then there was also a doll. Uh, She got us a few. She got us a a gem doll, Aja, Pizzazz. And I think the other one she got us might've been, Kimber we only had like four when I was little 
Um, and then, so she found it on USA and she started taping that for us. And then it's been like an obsession with me ever since I'm like, jam. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love, I know that is, it's definitely like the music that I'll turn on on YouTube when I'm like doing lots of cleaning. Yes. It's all super high <laughs> energy. Such good music. <laughs> yeah. Um, my in, when you have, when you're in a sorority, you get assigned a big sister and they call them your mm-hmm. big I my big came to have dinner with me one time and I put in the CD that had the stingers music yeah. on it. Oh. And she was like, This is like actual music. Like, if it wasn't 30 seconds long or a minute long, you'd think it was a real song. Yeah, it's like I think it's criminal that those have not been released like in any official form. I right? Know. I found someone on YouTube. Had... Yeah, there are some YouTube people who have like found, I don't know, digital audio tapes and stuff yes! from the 80s. And I mean, it sounds fabulous. Yeah. They've like got... remastered it. and Yeah, we got, um, she got for me for my birthday when I was a teenager from eBay. Um, someone had kind of done that with like all of the different gem songs. Like some of them, they found like the cassette tapes. And so then they didn't have any you know, background sounds talking from the show or whatever. But then um, some of them, like, he he didn't edit them that great. So, you know, there would be a clip of talking at the beginning and then, like, it would kind of cut off at the end. But it was hilarious because um, he he sent them from, like, Canada in binder paper, just, like, stapled. And yeah. And stuck a label on it. It was just, like, a stack of, DVD, of CDRs and just inside binder paper stapled all the way around and mailed from Canada. Yeah, they didn't break somehow. But I'm amazed no that laugh. made it through custom. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was just so funny. Was like, what is this? Yeah. So finally finding on YouTube, the people who have been able to like take out like the sound clips from the show and like, you know, door slamming, like footsteps, people talking. It's like, wow, this is great. Now I can finally replace the quality that I have. (laughs) Like two, two weeks ago on Instagram stories, I think it was Ronnie, but it might've been you. Somebody posted like a clip of the state of the um, misfits and the Holograms. It, I'm working. The workout video. Like, yes. It, it's doing me. It's, I just like start messaging, like doing me and work. Yeah. Like, it's like caps and like screaming, <laughs> screaming the lyrics in response yeah. to I'm, a, I'm definitely the misfits when it comes to that video. <laughs> <laughs> so, from so from your childhood love of cartoons and some dolls, what did you decide, to, when did you decide to start pursuing creative work of your own? Uh, do you want me to go first? You can go, you can go first, <laughs> first. I have to collect my yeah, thoughts to say it in a coherent Here's us to involve your high school pursuits. You have to talk about the series. No. <laughs> don't tell them about, like, you don't have to spill the details. Okay. Just say that you did it. Okay. Okay. She'll be in a minute. <laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to whatever this is now. Uh, for me, I always really like to write fanfic. And um, I just wrote so much fanfic. And it just, uh, by the time I got into college, I'd be like taking notes and then writing outlines for fanfics in the same notebook. I like, love it. I love it. Class. 
And so I always kind of knew that I wanted to write in some capacity uh, when I was older, but I kind of just figured that it would be something I did like after I retired from my regular career or whatever. Um, But then in 2014, I started having health problems and uh, I stopped being able to work. And so I was like, well, I could start writing like that's something that I could do. And so that was kind of the push for me to actually start doing it, quote unquote, career wise, rather than just doing it for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I'd been writing since I was little fanfics mostly or just like little stories what kind of what kind of uh fandoms did you enjoy writing for well when it comes to publishing them on the internet i'll start there it it was atlantis you'll never believe that it was a surprise (laughs) yeah (laughs) um and then back in 2003 and 2004 they made a live action version of sailor moon not the musicals. It was a TV show and it was kind of like Power Rangers. Um okay, I think and I've heard was, of this. Huh? I think I've heard of it. Yeah, it you don't understand, dude. You don't understand. <laughs> it's really it is good. So good. I can't, I could write you a friggin' doctoral dissertation on how good. <laughs> That was the first time that they used the term Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. And so for okay. a long time, people would use PGSM to talk about the live action and then BSSM for the cartoon and the manga. The manga. But then the, and now everything's PGSM. So now when you try to search PGSM, okay. good luck finding the live action stuff. But Well, if you ever want to write an essay for the archive, I would love to have that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I loved, it was so good. It was very, very different from the manga and the anime um, in a good way but for it me. Was, it was really good. In a good way for me. What was nice was they weren't trying to just like cookie cutter, make it like a live adaptation of, you know, either the anime or the manga. They just took the characters and they took like the basic Dark Kingdom storyline and they just um, did their own like it was it was almost 50 episodes like 50 episode like spin on it mm-hmm. and so like the characters had like different relationships and then there were a couple like new characters they brought in and they didn't bring mm-hmm. in like chibiusa and stuff so right. it was it was really really it good. was so good and it just had like this really interesting take on you know how in the manga and the anime the past life versions are basically the exact same personality as now and then like when you see like how the new crystal millennium is like usagi is like all mature and she kind of just acts like how princess serenity did in the live action version this is a little bit of a spoiler but i'm gonna say it anyway princess serenity from the past life is evil so oh yeah like she's she's not nice at all she's not nice she's very selfish she's self-centered and she has a completely different like mannerisms and personality and she like doesn't care if she destroys the entire planet all she cares about is being with endymion and like people are worthless to her and that kind of thing so that's like a polar opposite of usagi who's very like empathetic and she cares so much about her friends and she values other people more than herself So then it becomes like this struggle for her to suppress her past life self 
And then there's like this struggle among the Senshi and the Shiteno with some of them wanting to bring the past life forward and some of them wanting to destroy the past life because it brought so much destruction in the past. And then there's just this like epic climax and it's just so different than the other series, but like that sounds fabulous. Yeah. It's amazing. That's that's why it's so interesting to me is because it tackles this like really deep for a show that's supposed to be for little kids. Like, you know, is destiny something that you can fight against or is it something that you should follow? And like, what, you know, is following destiny good or evil kind of thing. I wrote so many fanfics you don't even understand. I wrote, I was still writing fanfics for PGSM, like up until I started writing original fiction. It was like, it's such a deep series that you can really delve into. And it was really well done too. Like, I don't know if you've ever watched like Power Rangers. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then have you ever seen any of the the Sentai that the Power Rangers are based off of? (laughs) I actually just bought the DVDs of that to try to check it out for the first time. Yeah, yeah. So Toy made the series and so, and they do other things aside from just the Sentai with the Rangers. They do like Tokusatsu where it's like 30 minutes and it's action and Mm -hmm. all of that. And they have monsters and choreography and stuff. So it was really good. Like they had really good costumes and they'd fight the the you know the yoma and you know they didn't have zords or anything which was nice because i usually fast forward past the zords because i get bored (laughs) (laughs) it was really really cool also like the acting was really good yeah the actress who played sailor mars is one of the biggest actresses in japan now is keiko kitagawa oh wow okay and um so the acting was really good and the, it had such a strong, like there was romance and I felt that the romance between Usagi and Momoru was really well done, but the friendships were so well done. And that like appeals to me because like Jewel Riders had such a heavy focus on friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the friendships in PGSM were so realistic, like the girls would fight um, and, but they would always stand up for each other and they had like sometimes they would be similar to the sorts of dynamics that were in the anime and manga but then sometimes they went off in a totally different direction and I just love it (laughs) it was was really good (laughs) I think you've convinced me to check check it out no I mean that's one of the things I always liked with Jewel Riders is that like the characters don't always get along like Gwen and Fallon fight like on multiple yeah, occasions yeah. throughout the show. And I appreciated that like little bit of realism versus mm-hmm. something where they're like, no, we're always friends all the time. And everything's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like, and I like, you know, Sailor Moon is like largely like skated off of me. Like I'd never really got to into it as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then it's like nigh unapproachable now to think about watching like 200 plus episodes of something. Yeah. But you know, a 50 episode thing, that's like, that's like very doable. Yeah. Like very doable. Yeah. The if first, it has more like, baked in conflict, I think that's also appealing. 
Right, exactly. The first like five episodes are really, really, really cheesy. So like prepare yourself. But then one director and he like took it like real cutesy and his in the choreography, they kind of looked like ballet and they were spinning and it was kind of awkward. It was they were good, but they were just kind of cheesily. Yeah, like you'd watch it and you were like when we first started watching it, we were watching it for the lulls and not expecting to like get into it because we thought it was going to be ridiculous. And the first few episodes are ridiculous. But then by episode six, that's the one that Makoto comes, right? Yeah, yeah. It starts, you start getting more of like the deep friendship kind of thing. And then there's like a shocking reveal in episode 10 and you start like, oh boy, I want to know what's going to happen next. <laughs> yeah. And then Kunzai comes. And Kunzai's amazing. The, there are, in Sailor Moon in the Dark Kingdom arc, there are four villains who work for Queen Beryl and they're like the generals or whatever. and uh what they did was they took the personalities of the first two from the anime manga and they were pretty much the same then when the third guy came he had the personality of the fourth guy yeah and he looked like the fourth guy too like right. um the fourth one had long white, white hair, hair and this guy had long white hair and i'm like he doesn't look like, like the third we guy, were like the okay. third guy suddenly looked like they put him out of order but it was because what they did was the fourth guy they made him be an original guy and he's so badass. He's amazing. You don't understand <laughs> how badass he is. And so once he shows up, you're just like, this show, this show, man. And then from there on out, you're just like riveted. Yeah. Yeah. I love when you start watching something like, like, oh, this is so ridiculous. And then it turns out to be really good. Like that just happened to me with Centaur World on Netflix. This crazy show about, you know, all these different breeds of centaurs in this magical world. And but and then it turns out it has this really dark backstory that's really oh. good. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, oh, when did this happen? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, just, you know, it's 18 episodes only. So if you need a, a quick watch for something, I highly recommend. But okay, so you so you wrote tons of fanfic for Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. And then, and then while you were doing that, were you developing your publishing group, Snowy Wings? Um, no. I was going to say it was a little <laughs> bit after. Yeah. So when I, f- you wrote a couple fanfics right before Snowy Wings though. Like well, see, because what happened was Snowy Wings didn't happen until 2016, yeah. but I started publishing in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I was writing my fanfics. I got my health problems. I decided to start writing. um, And I had kind of developed the Yamos trilogy. um, Starting. I I actually worked in Lodi. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, The after school program, the bridge program. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Before (laughs) we moved. And so some of. In 20. 12 I think was when the curiosity rover landed on Mars and so I did a unit on it because I taught uh the science class for the bridge program and the kids were just like they loved it so much and so they just you I can't even begin to tell you how freaked out they got like NASA made this video that Will Wheaton hosted that showed like CGI of what it 
what the landing process for the rover was. And they thought it was real footage of it happening. And, <gasps> and so what had originally been intended to be a one week unit wound up turning into a one month unit of just Mars, 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 Mars. And a bunch of them had like all these cool, like questions about Mars and ideas about what like ancient Mars could have been like. Cause I told them that one of the things curiosity was going to look for was the presence of ancient water. So they're like, what if there were people on Mars before? And so at that point was when I got the idea for the Yamas trilogy. So I kind of had it a little bit outlined. So I started writing that and that was my first book. I published it in 2015. And then in 2016, um, a bunch of my author friends from social media, uh, there was a small press that was having financial difficulties and they reverted the rights. As they do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they reverted the rights for uh, a bunch of their authors like 50 authors or something like that Dang. and so all these authors had these books that had been previously published and when that's the case most of the time other publishers aren't interested in republishing it because it's already been out there so they had no option except for to self-publish but they were all like I don't I don't know how mm -hmm. and then at the same time I had been self-publishing and she had uh I had edited an anthology and she'd written a story for it and she'd wound up developing that into a um novel and I have to, we have to go back in a minute and let her talk okay, about her yes. origin story we'll for definitely writing. rewind <laughs> um but so I had been talking to her and a Another one of our friends who um, had had a book that was published with a traditional publisher that the rights reverted. So she was going to be self-publishing. And I basically was like, you know, I heard that you can get hardcovers through Ingram Spark, but you have to have ISBNs and those are expensive. But if we all did it together, then it would be less expensive. And so we should do that. And then we hadn't really moved on it when all of a sudden all these other authors got their rights reverted and we're talking about self-publishing. And so I contacted a bunch of them and I was like, why don't we just like form a co-op? And so that was how Sewing Wings got its start was just like a group of us all um, self-publishing together. And then it's kind of wound up really growing over the last five years. Mm -hmm. Um, we became members of the IBPA as a hybrid publisher and we got um, some of our books got really positive trade reviews through groups or uh, publications like Kirkus Reviews and Booklist and Library Journal. And so um, we got offered library distribution. Oh, wow. Yeah through road art books. And so we, we kind of went from just being like a loose, like group of people just kind of doing our own thing together to having a bit more structure. Um, but the, the premise is still essentially the same. It's just that there's more structure to it, but that also has brought like some really great opportunities for our books and for authors. And, and uh, I think that, I mean, I'm really proud of the fact that we've gained a good reputation among the industry and among the gatekeepers. 
um, that we do put out quality books that are, you know, the same quality as traditionally published books. Um, and we've gotten respect from that and that's opened a lot of doors and, you know, it's made librarians eager to stock our books and that puts it in front of more readers. And that's really been a fulfilling experience. And, um, I, I always just get super proud whenever we get a positive trade review. We just got a really nice one from forward reviews for scrumptious by Jenny K Brown. And she was just so happy because she's had three traditionally published books and none of them ever received a trade review, Mm. but her indie book through snowy wings got a positive trade review from a major publication. And so she was just super excited about that. And that makes me feel really proud that we've been able to do that. Oh, that's so awesome. I love it. It's like you kind of made your own uh, circle of friends. Yes, (laughs) we did. I love that. I love that. I love that description. <laughs> That's what it's like. I love it. So to rewind a little bit, Jane, I hear there's a story I need to hear. It sounds yes. like. Yes. So um, where, where to begin? I guess I'll just. Yeah. Okay. How did you get your story? Okay. Okay. So I'd always kind of liked jotting down when I was really young like little little like short stories that were like original things like she and I would write things about like the pets and stuff and then we had this one little really kind of lame little game that we would play when we were little um where we had magical powers and it was kind of like based on jewel writers and I remember I like wrote that down and I was like maybe that could end up being you know like a book or something um but when I was I think I was 14 Um, I had this really cool dream about, um, this like fantasy world and, um, these characters. And when I woke up, I was like, I have to write this down. And so I wrote it down and I told her about it and she was like, this sounds really amazing. And I'm like, I feel like I should like try to, cause you know, I was, I was just like 14. I was like, maybe like I could like keep working on it and eventually make it a book or something. Um, and she was like, or, you know, this seems kind of, cause I would always like draw with my, um, little story. She was like, well, this, maybe you want to make it like a comic book or something. So, um, for the next few years, I worked on the characters and I worked on making it a, a comic book. Um, and my art was really bad at first, but it, it got a lot better. <laughs> I look through my old binders now and I'm like, oh, okay, that's painful. Oh, okay. The new oh, that's every artist, unfortunately. So, Yeah. And so um, then I kind of started working on other little series like, oh, and then this could be like a sister series to that comic book series. And then I came up with a couple more um, and that the um, series that I'm referring to, it it was really inspired by jewel writers in that um, she's got a magical jewel Mm -hmm. and it doesn't do the cool things that they do in jewel writers. Like it doesn't like have like the the beams of power shoot off of it. You can't really fight with it. But she's got um, an animal that also has the jewel and then they can talk telekinetically with the jewel. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is obviously jewel writers inspired, you know, and then just like the kick, the kick buttoness that Fallon has and like then the cool like transformations and stuff like the main character doesn't typically have like a different outfit that she, you know, transforms into or whatever, but like later when she gets like a, a power up like power rangers-esque then she gets a, a cool new outfit and i'm like so you see a lot of like jewel writers inspiration with that one 
It still has not been published though, because I've been working on it off and on over the years. And I'm like, you know, I kind of think I need to make it be books instead of a comic book because like, I'm fine with people and animals and dragons, but when it comes to drawing like buildings and things behind it, it gets really, and then coloring it was a nightmare. So every, I was like, this is never going to be done, man. nightmare, draw this yeah, building. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's like it needs it needs to be a book series. And it's it's one of those ones where I I made it really long with the plot and I don't want to start publishing it until I have the entire plot kind of figured out because there's some really great. um, I don't know if you've ever read the manga Fruits Basket, Mm -hmm. but Yeah. yeah, I love how she foreshadows things from like volume one that happened then in like volume 22 or whatever. And I'm like, right. I want to be like that. I want to be that on it with the plots. <laughs> She's like super uh detailed with her plotting in advance for this series but so all is that of us, how you oh sorry go ahead all of us want it i know all of I'm us like, want it that sounds fabulous like i want to read this when she was in high school one her teacher like she made some issues for class and he was like fan he was a fan he was like this needs to be published so like all of us who have read it are sitting here like, where is where it? Is it? Where I is know, it? I know, I know. And I'm like, ah. Do you have some scans I could read? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. She's too much of a perfectionist. She won't let you see it. I know, right? I'll, you'll She'll, be like, this she's is like, great. And I'll be like, but it's not done yet. That's what I'm saying. I was like, we're not done. <laughs> you know, uh, my writing teacher has a phrase that I love that says, perfect never finishes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I really need to, there's, I've come up with like a bunch of other ideas for like standalone books that I've gotten like half done. And then she'll be like, but what about that one? And I'm like, I gotta finish it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now she's going to be sorry that we did this because now I'm going to be sitting here like this and Chris is going to be like, well, (laughs) (laughs) I remember, um, when I got the, when they put Jim and the holograms on DVD and the, the one like head writer who had, who did the series Bible and everything. Christy Marks. Yes. Christy Marks. I was like, Christy something. Um, I remember there was an interview with her and she was like, so when I was young, I would always draw like kick-ass characters and they'd have weapons and they'd fight and they were so cool. And then, you know, and I was like, I'm going to be a comic book artist. And I was like, she's like me. And then she was like, (laughs) But then the the more I worked on it, the more I was like, you know, art is like, I'm, I'm okay at it, but like, I think my strong suit more is writing. So why don't I just do writing instead? And then I was like, I need to take a page out of her book and yeah. realize that because th- that's what was kind of holding me back for the longest time with it was just, um, I would draw it on like, um, printer paper. And then I would, you know, I draw it out and then I would outline it with like a fine, um, felt tip pen and then I'd color it with colored pencils and that would make my hand hurt really bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can feel the cramps press hard to make it the colors that. look great. But then I could never figure out digital coloring. I'd try scanning it into the computer and I'd try to do like a bucket fill of her shirt or something and it would look like garbage. And then the entire screen would turn that color. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is going to take a thousand years. And then like I, um got really into manga at that point and um our mom really liked reading some manga too she'd be like well you could make it like a manga and not color it and I'm like yeah but I feel like it's like lifeless without the colors that I'm imagining so finally now I think if I just kind of 
push it out of my mind. I'm like, okay, it's not a comic anymore. You don't have to worry about how to draw the villain's castle anymore. It's fine. Like just, you know, you can always include illustrations with your book, like the Avalon web of magic series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's what I think I would like to do. And then maybe have just like, since I I really liked Power Rangers growing up, and so I always really liked like the fighting and the battling, and like, ooh, she's got a bow and arrow, and ooh, he's got a really cool sword and stuff. So I drew out like really elaborate like weapons. Weapons, yeah. And so I'm like, I could put that like I don't know on the chapter header or something, just like a little sketch of each. Yeah, exactly. Weapon. Yeah, I think there's, I think you know, digitally especially, it's like a missed opportunity to not have more illustrations as part of books. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I always, I always appreciate that. I know like the Japanese like light novels are known for having illustrations with this. I always like when a book does have those um, because I just feel like it, it kind of completes it for me. Like I really like the Del Toro series by Emily Rada. Oh yeah. uh Yeah. The whoever illustrated for those books did a really nice job. And then they re they released like little side books that would have full color illustrations. And I was like, this is so pretty. So yeah, so- something like that would be really nice. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready whenever. <laughs> I know. I think it's funny. I think a lot of people who grew up watching a lot of cartoons and jewel writers and that kind of stuff made our own jewel writer esque series you yeah. know ronnie and i fam- you know infamously we still laugh about it we had one we just called wand warriors <laughs> i love it <laughs> so it's like yeah that's not jewel riders at all <laughs> so and you know and sometimes i still have like little bits of it in my head and someday i'm like you know it might not look like it did when i was you know 12 but I think there's still a story there worth telling sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I think it's funny how those those ideas that you carry for a really long time will change and morph and become something that you want to tell now. So definitely, definitely uh, love to see when people's, you know, long-held ideas come to fruition. So Jane, it sounds like you're a huge plotter what yeah. about you, Lissa? Are you a potter, plotter? I'm sorry, plotter or a pantser? Um, I'm kind of a mix. I I tend to like outline. I say it's like onion layers. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but uh, <laughs> like I'll have a big outline, and then I'll break it down into smaller outlines, and then I kind of start going, and then I start filling in the details more and then I'll take a step back and outline a little bit more until I finally get down to the final layer where I pretty much know everything that's going to happen. And it's just a matter of like, okay, this chapter is the one where this happens. This chapter is the one where this, and, and so on. But I definitely don't, but I think part of it is because the story hasn't been in my head as long as her story has. I think the longer that you've had a story, the harder it becomes yeah. for you to actually make it a thing. Whereas if you kind of get it out more quickly, it doesn't, you don't get the the mental roadblock. Yeah, sometimes it can kind of sit and cement inside of your brain mm-hmm. if it's there for yeah. a really long time. Yeah. 
you know, I had to sort of set some of those really long running ideas down. I'm like, someday I'll come back to you. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I mean, like, but otherwise it's like, I feel like I I don't move forward if I just keep looking at them. So, yeah. Um, So what, what do you take from your childhood loves and your favorite stories and how does that inform the creative work that you do now? Do you feel I mean, uh, there's like the big picture type of things that are like, I like stories that are about strong friendships, you know, obviously from Jewel Riders and from Pretty Guardian Sailor mm-hmm. Moon. And um, and then there's the small things that I just steal and slightly rename, like things from Galtar that you will find in Fourth World. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> There's just so many, like, remember how um, one of our neighbors, when we were growing up, they had a circle of trees that looked like the travel trees. And so we would play that game. We would be like, it's the travel trees. And so I haven't incorporated that exactly into anything that I've worked on, but there's just been like little things like that where like, you know, maybe some, there was a character in a show that had a really cool weapon and it's like, Ooh, that's really neat. And then I, I put that into one of my things or just, you know, like, Oh, and this one, the mushrooms talk and it's really, really cute. And I, now I want to put talking mushrooms in something. I love how in jewel writers, um, Tamara's babies talk. I, they're, they're just so cute. And so I wrote this one, um, short story, that was uh, a fairy tale retelling based off of Hans Christian Andersen's The Goblin at the Grocers. And I put um, a talking kitten in it. And like, she's kind of based on my my cat. But then like, it, just the fact that Tamara's babies are just so cute. I was like, I love having talking animals. And things. Yes. <laughs> that was so fun. That one is actually published. You can read that one. She won't yes. hide it from you. Like, oh, okay. Where, where can I find that? Publishing fairy tale anthology, Magic at Midnight. Um, okay. I think that was published in 2018. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it was 2018. I just, nice. I love having animals in, in my stories. Like, even if they don't play a big role, like um, Kala does in the, that short story, um, all of my characters, they need to have pets. It's like, why don't they have pets? More, more characters should have pets. <laughs> Everyone needs a pet. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, where can people find more of your guys' work? Um, <laughs> and, and what? Do, and what's coming up soon? Coming out? Okay. Um, for me, Lissa, you can find more about my books at lissakiavari.com, or you can also find both of us at snowywingspublishing.com. You just have to use the little filter to search our name. Um, and right now I am working on the last book of the Yamos trilogy, which is due out this fall. And this is where I'm really learning my lesson about having a series that has multiple timelines that have plots that need to be resolved. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's, I can already tell there's a lot of moving pieces in this series. Yeah. And I'm yeah, not, there's... and I'm not quite done with the first book. And I'm like, oh, she got a lot going on here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully it will all wrap up. I think, you know, like I said, I had my onion Russian nesting doll outline and I, th- I think I got it. So hopefully everything will wrap up and everybody will be 
happy with it. Nice. <laughs> nice. How about you, Jane? Um, so people can find out more about what I'm working on at my website, uh, janewatsonauthor.com, or they can also go to snowywingspublishing.com. Um, and I am currently working on the next installment in my um, Taming of the Dude Bro series, which is a um, like modern romantic comedy retelling of uh, Shakespeare's comedies. Okay. And as you can tell, the title character is a dude bro. And so yeah, I mean, can I just one... say number one, how great of a title that that is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so we've, we've currently got uh, the taming of the dude bro, a midsummer night's dude bro. And then the next one I'm working on is uh, to air is dude bro. And I, I hope that will be done sometime this year. Um, I took a little bit of a break from that series to edit an anthology last year based on um, it, it was like a young adult anthology based on Greek myths. And so it was called Sing Goddess. And so not only did I have to work on my story, but then, you know, I had to spend time like um, editing uh, all of the other authors, amazing stories. And so I just kind of put the dude bro on the back burner. Like when I was working on my story, I was like, Oh, and Kurt and Grizz characters from that book. So I'm like, Oh, I, I should, I should put that in. And I'm like, no, put them on the back burner. You're not, you're not working on that right now. <laughs> Isn't it always the muse way that when you're working on something else, you're like, but what about this idea what for the other one? thing that you're not working on? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it sounds like there's some amazing things coming up and I'm very looking forward to reading more. And I'm looking forward to checking out and finding all the Galtar hidden subtext. (laughs) And checking out some pretty Guardian Sailor Moon and all sorts of good stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for coming onto the podcast today. I really appreciate it. It has been fabulous talking to you. And thank thank you for sharing your memories of Jewel Riders and growing up with it and growing up, you know, five miles away. (laughs) (laughs) missed opportunity i know very sad very sad well if you ever visit uh stockton again let me know and i will drive (laughs) down there to say hello now that you're living where i went to college did you go to college in santa rosa i went to sonoma state oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) one of the snowy wings authors actually lives in santa rosa still does she really yeah, T. Damon, she wrote. Oh the my horse. gosh, yes, I follow her on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, the my world is just shrinking immeasurably right now. <laughs> it's so funny how that happens. Oh my gosh. And if you all want to hear more from the Jewel Writers Archive, you can find us at jewelwritersarchive.com. And if you want to hear more from this podcast, you can find us at our home on Podbean or any other podcast platform. And as we like to say at the end of every episode, friends together, friends Friends forever. All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.